Today, we are discussing the possibility that our government has absolute proof of Bigfoot and serial murderer and rapist Bruce Lindahl. So if you have the number for Alex Jones's hotline, call it, and it's time for the tinfoil hats. Why should you work with Ed Locke? A better question is, why wouldn't you work with him? He is a proud to support an amazing lender, USA Mortgage. When you work with them, you can expect a home financing experience that is free of hassles and headaches. They have complete control over your loan due to in-house operations such as processing, underwriting, closing, and funding. USA Mortgage represents a lot of fantastic things, but they are especially thrilled to partner in several community outreach programs, including Habitat for Humanity, Home Sweet Home, Veterans Community Project, and many, many more. They love going to work every day, which means they love working for you. Ed wants to be your lender for life, so reach out to him today and get the journey started. If you would like more information, please reach out to Edlock at area code 502 680 USA Mortgage NMLS 227-262. USA Mortgage is an equal housing lender. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions may apply. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. scoured the podcast world and finally found us newsworthy with steve and jerry where we delve into all things mysterious macabre or out of this world and decide if they are truly newsworthy two words and two question marks Good evening, Mr. Jerry. How are you? Hello, Steve. I'm great and getting better. Sweet. That's I know awesome. I can't say you're great, but hopefully you are getting better. Yeah, I'm on the mid. Had a little crud going on this week, but we're, we're, we're moving forward, there so that's go. awesome. Uh, kind of like the old story, if you ever find yourself going through hell, keep on going. You're going through it. Right. That's a <laughs> You didn't seem to like that concept at all. <laughs> I don't want to get caught. Somebody grab my ankle if I go down there. I, I don't want any part of that. Just much better than stopping and you know having yeah. a picnic. Don't do that. Wasn't there get a country song going? about that? I have no idea. Possibly. Uh, well, who was that? Now I'm curious. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. That said, if you find yourself going through hell, keep on going. Yeah. So we got a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, we're talking about what I consider... <sighs> And I'm using air quotes here because I don't consider anyone who is a serial killer slash rapist uh, lucky in any. But this guy, talk about having nine lives. Wow. That he did. Um, He came in contact with the law a bunch. And they really had a chance to squash the whole thing. Very early. Very early on. But they failed. Uh, And we're going to talk about. One of my favorite topics, uh, uh, Bigfoot. Ooh. And does the government actually have proof? Incontrovertible proof. That's what the thing is. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But, Jerry, you know, I had a had a uh, handyman over to the house. I had a whole list of things I needed him to do the other day. You did? Yeah. When I came nice home. get those off the list? Yeah, when I came home, he'd only done one on the list. He'd only done number one, three, and five. One, three, and five. Yeah, Why apparently he only does odd jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, back to your earlier statement, you're 100% correct. I do not remember it, but Rodney Adkins has a song called If You're Going Through Hell. Yeah, yeah. That was back in the 80s, probably. I think I remember that because... Mm-hmm. 
I do not know. I don't remember. I didn't I like it back things. then. I thought I didn't like his voice, and I, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan, but I do remember gotcha. the song. Uh, today, someone asked me, "What is the ninth letter of the alphabet?" Really? Yeah, it was a complete guess, but I was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is good. I like that dad joke. Oh. Best ones I've seen in a while. That is, uh, I'm, I'm impressed, Jerry. That was, that was good. I have to give it to you. Well, thank you. <sighs> I'm going to stop this. It's going to start playing. What's that? Oh, the song? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Oh, everyone. no. <laughs> okay, I'll shut it down. So, had a good week other than the crud. Yeah, it's it's always good, man. I I really really enjoy uh, my job. I get to help people a lot. We have a good team there. We're continuing to get better. Um, that means a lot. It really yeah, does. Yeah. Uh, One of the most depressing statistics that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it was several years ago. Do you remember when we had a problem with? Postal workers going postal. Yeah. Shooting yeah, someone. Yeah. Shooting a building or something. Just it's where the term going postal come from. And it was not long after that. I remember I read this report and it said that they believe that 60% of people were, I'm sorry, 80% of people were unhappy with either their job or their spouse. One or the other. The most depressing part was they said that 60% reported being unhappy with both. Yeah, that's crazy. Now, if you want to know how people go postal, you can have a bad job. If you have a caring, supportive family to come home to, a spouse that cares and, and tries to help, or vice versa. If you have a, you know, not so great spouse, but you, you have really good coworkers. But when both are bad, I can see how people do go postal. Yeah, and I think... <sighs> I believe now I could be totally wrong here. I'm, you know, I'm not, we're not, we do not claim to be. Right. <laughs> uh, we don't have done research in this area. No research, just, just thoughts. Right. But if your work is bad, it tends to make things at home not so good either. Don't you think the. And I think it can be the opposite. Yes, but, the opposite is true. You know, I, I feel like. I have been in situations in the past where I hated my job and it made me miserable and grumpy when I come home. You know, I am the problem because of my job. Um, And I'm sure it goes the other way. I've been, I'm blessed to say I've never been in a situation where my home life has affected my job negatively per se, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it goes both ways. I feel sorry for the people in either situation, but especially for those who are unhappy with both. Here's the the catch, though, Jerry. Here's here's the catch. You have, because we are we we live in what I believe is is an amazing place to live. Sure, you have the ability to change one and or both of those things pretty quickly. Absolutely. (laughs) So if you're stuck in that position for a long time, that's on you. Let me ask you this. In sure. your years of working retail, how many people did you come across? And unfortunately, sadly, the majority in my experience were female. But how many did you come across that believed that they were trapped in a bad situation that they well, sure. couldn't get out of? Sure. Now, that's mental. I agree. Yeah. They, need, they need to get a new attitude, a new way of looking at the problem. But there's so many people I've come across over the years that just thought they had no choice. They, yeah. uh, For whatever reason, if it was... So many times it's financial. Yeah, there's so many women who think that they I don't have a career, I don't have the ability to make a decent living, and they just felt trapped. Sometimes it was probably physical abuse, sometimes mental, but a lot of people really feel trapped. So I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm not disagreeing. We do have the capability of changing all that, but for a lot of people, they seem to not think they can. And, and people will allow strongholds to build up in their life. You know, this is this is what I deserve. This is what I, I, I've earned this. Um, as someone personally that has lifted myself into the next, you know, my family into the next, it, it's not easy. 
but it can be done. It can be done. And it's far better than where you're at now. Yeah. So if you're in an absolutely yeah. horrible situation, don't don't stay there thinking it's your only option. I'm a big believer in where you're at now, you created a year ago. Yep. You started that a year ago. And today so you're creating you're, exactly. where you will be in a year. So if you're going to sit there and, and frown and be sad and depressed about where you're at right now, you are doing nothing to fix it a That's year right. from now. <laughs> Absolutely. So, anywho, uh, there's there's the bonus story. There's your uh, comments from the elders <laughs> for the day. <laughs> Sadly, we did qualify for that term. And you know, we have listeners all over the world, and in some parts of the world, certain peoples are trapped. Yep. Certain peoples don't have an out. So if you are in a place where you can get out, then it really falls to you yeah. um, to make that happen. In, in some of our more, is you know, in some of our countries, for instance, women have very few rights. Very few. And they're treated more like property than people. And those people my heart go out for because they are truly trapped. And no matter where you're at right now, if you're not that person, you're a step ahead of somebody else and just keep stepping, keep moving. So, very true. Anyway, there's your philosophical advice from two old dudes <laughs> today. <laughs> yep. Wasn't even planning on going down that route today. Not at all. One of the good things, Jerry, that happened to me, you'd ask me about my week, is I got to hang out with my one of my good buddies who's a pilot. Uh, well, that was loud, and well, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> it was MSN asking me if I wanted to buy the new consoles that are coming out. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but I got to hang out with my good buddy, and this is going to lead into what we're going to one of the topics we're talking about good today. Segue. So, um, wanted to talk to you about. She uh, is a traveler. She she's a pilot. She's a loader. She doesn't really. I'm very fortunate that she likes me as a person because she doesn't like a lot of people. Um, she had went up into Idaho and into the the forest and the river of no return. The Salmon River is also called the River of No Return. Okay. And she was driving up this little road. She was going back, just going to go do some hiking. And she kept driving, and the, the road turned from pavement to gravel, from gravel to to dirt, from dirt to two little trails for her tires to go on. And it was starting to get a little bit dark. And she was like, I don't think this is where I should be. She just got an overall overbearing feeling of eeriness in, in the area that she was. Now, no service. She hadn't had cell phone service for, for over an hour. Before you go crazy, She's very smart. She always carries a satellite phone. She could have gotten help if she needed it. Uh, but she gets out. She's looking around. So she steps out of her car. She's in a little Honda. So she steps out of the Honda. There's shotgun shells everywhere, spent. And she just gets a really bad feeling that she shouldn't be there. So she hops back in her Honda and she turns around and zooms back. And about 30 minutes later, she runs into this group of this old people group of tourists that are getting ready to do an old diamond dredge. They're going to tour okay. it. And she said, I have never been so excited to hang out with people in my entire life. <laughs> Did she ever figure out any idea of what might have given her this ominous promoting just, feeling? It was just... Let me... If you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, and we're talking western Montana all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Okay, Idaho, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. In that area, that geographical area, there's over 16 or 17 national forests. And of that, 24.7 million acres of untamed forest. Massive. You, you'll get a small village here or there. But other than your big city, Seattle, Portland, uh, Coeur d'Alene in Idaho, probably the biggest, I guess. <laughs> Idaho doesn't have a lot of big cities. Um, there's really not a lot of people. And if you do run into some of those people, you know, when I lived in Idaho, I was very fortunate. I lived in a great little town called Salmon. And the people there were amazing. It was very similar to Kentucky. 
once you got to know them, mm-hmm. you were theirs for life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. Um, Strangers, not so much, though, right? Absolutely. I absolutely. So um, it, it's really hard to wrap your head around how big this space is where there's not other people. You know what I mean? Sure. So I feel like that part of it was that really sets in. She, If you go to the desert and you're in the middle of the desert, you can look around and you can see there's nothing or no one there. There's not a pack of coyotes coming up on you. There's no wolves. There's no bear. In the forest, you get, this is going to sound weird, in an area of 24.7 million acres, it's very easy to get claustrophobic. Because you can't see anything except directly what's around you. You don't know what's right behind that first row of trees. Could be a bear. Could be a you know a, a timber wolf. Could be Bigfoot. It could be some guy with really bad intentions. You, you, you just don't know. Very true. Um, and as someone who's been there, <laughs> it's really, really, it has the potential to turn Really scary, really quick. Gotcha. So anyway, let's let's go on. Let's move from Idaho up into Washington. In 1980, okay. Mount St. Helens erupted. Jerry, do you have some stats over there about Mount St. Helens eruption? And the power of it. Uh, yeah. certainly do. And the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980 released 24 megatons of thermal energy. That is equivalent to 10 to 50 megatons of TNT. It's also equivalent to 25,000 atomic bombs released over Hiroshima during World War II. 25,000 of those bombs. It destroyed the entire city. Okay. Let me interrupt you for one sure. second. I was done. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not interrupting you then. Not at but, all. So prior to the eruption, and scale back several years, 1924, one of the things that helped gain, and we're just going to go into Sasquatch and Bigfoot, because, okay. you know, a lot of people that cover this and, and believe this, there's a lot of naysayers, there's a lot of negativity associated with it. So a lot of people don't come out, they don't speak their mind, they don't say what they feel, and that's okay. Uh, we're here on this show just to evaluate what we can, you know, the facts, what we have, what we see, right. what we do. Um in 1924, uh, there was a battle, and I'm using air quotes, a Bigfoot battle on the side of Mount St. Helens. Um, <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, sounds that way. So, basically, what happened was, there was a summer where a group of gold prospectors stumbled out of the woods, shaking, glassy-eyed, they were telling about stories of seven-foot-tall ape-like animals attacking them with boulders. Now, these guys' names were Fred Beck, Gabe Lefevre, uh, John Peterson, Marion Smith, and Smith's sons, Roy. And they all described a group of gorilla men near where they had built a small cabin for their gold-hunting forays. They claimed... They were eight miles from Spirit Lake when they encountered, encountered excuse me, four of the giant animals moving through the forest, erect, human-like strides, covered in long black, long black hair. Their ears were about four inches long and stuck straight up. Toes and feet and hands were short and stubby, and they looked to weigh about 400 pounds each. That's big. Pretty, um, pretty scary. So... Taking it back, now this is their account, okay? This isn't, you know, obviously it's 1924. There's not a news chopper flying around the top or whatever. Uh, Fred Beck got scared and shot his rifle at one of the creatures and struck it three times. The wounded animal fell off a cliff. Um, Another member of the party also shot one of the shots. And the violence against the Bigfoot proved a huge mistake. (laughs) Um, that night, the men were awakened with huge stones being thrown against the side of their cabin. 
And when they heard and felt the giant body slamming against the door, they were trying to get in. They were uh, what they felt was seeking revenge. The beast eventually tore a hole in the roof and allowed them to target Mr. Beck. Many of the rocks fell through a hole in the roof, and two of the rocks struck Mr. Beck, one of them rendering him unconscious for almost two hours. Anyway, long story short, the guys were able to huddle down in the cabin, stay there until the Bigfoots gave up, and then ran from the cabin all the way back to civilization. <laughs> Dang. Uh, the following day and told their stories. Uh, obviously, back in the day, it was word of mouth. The U.S. Forest Service got involved. That's important now because it comes in a little later. Uh, and they went in to investigate. Now, they had drawings and sketches of the guys. And in 1924, there was not a, this is way before even the Patterson uh, video. Uh, which made Bigfoot big time, if you will. So, and the sketch is every bit of what you would think Bigfoot looks like. We may even put a link to it. Um, Rangers, two of the Rangers, uh, J.R. Huffman and William Welch, hiked into the forest back with Belk, who took them to the cliff where he said the wounded one fell. A ranger scrambled down the, the canyon and didn't find anything. No body, no blood, no anything that indicated that there was ever a beast there. Mm-hmm. They weren't impressed. They thought that the uh, coal miners had staged the whole thing. Um, but then uh, decided that uh, um, and that's pretty much put it to bed, to be honest. Okay. The rangers went up there. They say they didn't see anything. They didn't believe anything. They did see some tracks. They thought that the tracks were made with their hands. They took castings of them. Uh, that looked like a hand casting to me. It shows, uh, again, I wish I could show you the pictures, but that kind of just happened and word of mouth spread, and there you go. But I wanted to bring that up. Did you have any more stats about how powerful, how strong Mount St. Helens eruption was? Um, a few. Sure. It killed 57 people. It destroyed 200 homes, 47 bridges, 15 miles of railway, 185 miles of highway. The blast traveled at speeds of up to 670 miles per hour and extended up to 19 miles from the volcano. It says the blast destroyed everything within a six-mile radius, including trees, homes, and wildlife. It Crazy. spewed 550 million tons of ash across the U.S. Wow. Now, we have um, a uh, story that's going, we're going to cover, I'm going to cover my part anyway, okay. uh, in a few weeks. I have to have uh, a, a surgery here in a couple weeks, and I'm gonna, we're going to make arrangements, but toward the end of the month, or even into November, we're going to cover some Yosemite facts that's just going to blow your mind. (laughs) Yosemite, for those who don't know, is where Mount St. Helens is a noted, you know, active volcano um, that you can go to and see. Underneath Yellowstone is what they call a super volcano. And there has been some very subtle awakenings that it is waking up and we're going to get into that that's going to be a fun episode but i digress let's get into bigfoot shall we let's do it so (coughs) excuse me in 1980 when mount st helens erupted it is absolutely the deadliest (coughs) sorry you're right yeah um Volcan- it was the most destructive volcanic event in the history of the United States, by far. Uh, two uh, National Guardsmen have come to the forefront with a outstanding claim about what happened after in the after effects of Mount St. Helens exploding. Um, in fact, their claim is that 
the U.S. government and their particular units went out and removed the bodies of at least two up to six dead Bigfoot from the side of the mountain. And I want to, the, the story I'm going to be reading today is, is from the Washington Bigfoot. Uh, and I just want to go in here and just read a little bit of it. But this is a firsthand account um, by Linda Succi. And she was, she did a direct interview with this guy. We're just going to call him Bradshaw. But this is Bradshaw talking, and this is a quote. I was placed in a charge of one of the dead and one pile of dead animals in particular. The pile was covered, and no one was allowed to come near it. Armed U.S. National Guard personnel were guarding this pile. On the day that they were going to move this group of bodies, not just one or two, this group of bodies, I was standing very close to the pile and was told to keep my mouth shut as what he what I was about to witness. When the tarps were removed, I was amazed to see that those the bodies of Sasquatch, some badly burned, some not, were placed in a large net and lifted into the back of the truck, and then it was retarped over. Um, now, Ms. Suchi, who was doing this report, filed a Freedom of Information Act, and the Freedom of Information Act said so there was no documented reports of Bigfoot, Sasquatch carcasses, and there were no attempts to locate or recover any bodies. However, another report from the same book claims that a Spokane man saw a large double-rotor helicopter, most likely a Chinook, flew overhead between 100 and 150 feet, and the, 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 it was carrying a huge car, uh, cargo net that had at least three big, Bigfoot bodies in it. They were described as hairy, gray, ash-coated arms and legs. The pilot on that also said that he saw that. So, weird. What do you think is going on with the government? Do you think they pulled those bodies off of there and they're just denying it again? Like everything else, it's hard the government. To tell. The government's such, you know. Sometimes if they would just come honest with us about some stuff, we might be able to believe them at some yeah. point. But, but I also believe that in the majority of cases, even when they lie, they believe they're doing it in our best interest. They're trying to prevent mass hysteria. They're trying to prevent a crap ton of people running into the woods with weapons. And trying to kill these things that are going to come and kill their wives and their daughters and their mothers and their sisters. So, would that happen? Probably. You know, if we if it was released that you know, there's actually pods of Sasquatch out here in the woods and they're hurling boulders at people. Don't you think that around here there would be a ton of people out trying to kill them? So well, I'm sure there's good reasons for doing it. Now, with that being said. 100% agree with what you said. In many cases, honesty would be far and away the best course to take. Well, you, you say that around here. Uh, Anderson, the county we live in is one of the hotbeds in Kentucky. And Firm. For Sasquatch activity. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> kind of crazy. When was the last time there was anything close to a verifiable report of Sasquatch in this area doing damage to people or property? Right, right. And here's the thing. We, we've talked about this a little bit, but the world keeps getting smaller sure. every year. There's hundreds of millions of trail cams out everywhere now. And even in 27, first of all, if there's Bigfoot alive, Sasquatch around, he's hiding out in 27 million acres out in the Pacific Northwest. He's That's a lot of room to hide. But even that's going to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and it's crazy to think that there's a, you know, another way of looking at this, Gary, is if there were Bigfoot and right. the government had proof of that, why would they not do a double right at the beginning? Yes, we have proof that there's Bigfoot. Here is what proof we have. Also, now that we've come clean about it, they are on the endangered species list. And if you touch them, harm them, kill them, 
track them, you will be met with, you know, I mean, they saved the bald eagle populations by doing the same thing. Our our species control uh, and being able to save and, and maintain uh, populations, if you will, right. is very good. Sure. So if you came out and said, yes, Bigfoot's out without doing that, you're going to send hundreds of millions of people into the woods trying to get them, trying to find one. If you come out the same day and say, and here's the regulations and here, you know, they're, they are uh, uh, now endangered species, critically endangered species. If you touch them, in, interact with them at all, uh, you know, and it also allows us to save more of their habitat, to be honest. Sure. I just think our government is hugely afraid of mass hysteria. Yeah. And a lot and of and no many things that we're we're going to be covering in this time, in this podcast is going to have a lot. That's going to be a common theme, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can get into. I know we you, your topic we got to get into because we're running out of time. But um, there are so many. I, I really want to spend probably a whole show at some point on Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. There's so many reports worldwide. We could do a month of shows and it is, scratch the surface. Right, well, that, but it's like, it's not like Loch Ness. Loch Ness is confined to one lake. True, big lake. But if we really, really wanted to find Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster, think we could do it one way or another. You know what I'm that saying? That lake has already been gone through with sonar many times. Uh you know, I, I don't know what better evidence you could have unless there's a cave down there somewhere that, you know, old Nessie is going into to hide because they have swept that thing with radar many times and there's nothing that's ever come up. So you're absolutely right. A little bit harder to do it with, what'd you say, 25 million 27 million acres. Million acres. Yeah. Um, my, uh, but, you know, we have very credible, do you know who Les Stroud is? No, I do not. Les Stroud is Survivor Man, TV show. Okay. Uh, outdoorsman. He They contacted him because he can do things in the outdoors that most people can't. And he was in the Pacific Northwest on the Canadian side. And and what do you, the 27 million acres, by the way, does not include all of, you know, Western Canada, where there's four people that live in the whole thing. And it's probably <laughs> far bigger than the 27 yes, million. Yes, absolutely. Way bigger. But he was up there, and he even, who's been in all the work, you know, in forests and jungles and deserts and all of these different things, he was alone and recording, and he said, I've heard sounds in this area and wood knocks, and I'm a believer. That says something. Believer in what? Oh, in, in Sasquatch. Okay. Uh, he said, there's nothing else out here that can make those noises. So, anywho. Uh, we'll go back to that at some point. We'll talk about it. But what we got to talk about right now, Jerry, um, bef- well, Jerry. Yes. Before we get into your serial killer. Sure. Let's let's toot our horn a little bit, man. Let's do that. You want to do that? We haven't done that in a long time. We talk about it a little, but we a long time ago, we got away from talking numbers for a show. Gonna, huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> Started to be an ass. Go ahead. Oh, when does that ever change? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so please continue. When we first started our show, we got very excited about oh, we Five, got ten we listeners. Got, we got these numbers, yeah. and we got a new person from this country, and well, that just blew us away. Blew us the away. first country that was not United States, right? right. What the hell is right. going on? So, um. Now we've got we're in a new publisher. We've got another place that's tracking our uh, chartable, which yep. is tracking our progress. And somewhere in the neighborhood, not all of them are active, but in the last uh, in 2022, there were between two and four million podcasts worldwide. Worldwide, that you people, you guys, had the chance to listen to, and in doing so. Jerry, what is our worldwide global number? Now, to this, to a lot of people, that's not a big deal, but for us, it's huge. So, well, yeah, it's fifteen thousand 
500, yeah, 15 and change. And we signed up for Chartable, which began tracking this roughly 10 days ago. Right. So they're using our stats from the last 10 days, which put us into the top 15,000 in of, 10 days. Of all of the podcasts in the world and of in America. genre. Of every genre. 15,000 out of 4 million. Yeah. That's incredible, guys. And we owe that to you. We would do 100%. And to me, a little bit more... A little bit bigger deal than that is the fact that if you want to look in the United States at only true crime genre, which is what we've switched to and have been covering sure. in the last sure. longer than 10 days, but it, within the last 10 days, United States, true crime genre, we fall where? 800. We're number 100 in 10 days. Out of, I don't know how many millions, or yeah. probably hundreds of thousands. This isn't things. what we've done. This is what you, you yeah, you guys do done, that so. for us with a download. So like, subscribe, share. You know, we Absolutely. appreciate you. It's it makes it worth keep doing this and, and enjoying it, and it's awesome. And we thank you, the listener. Yeah, we do. Um, anywho, anywho, Jerry, let's yes. talk about what I consider one of the luckiest serial killers. Until the end of his life, when his luck ran yeah. out. <laughs> he uh, certainly uh, had, it was like a cat. It was a matter of how many lives does this guy have. His name is Bruce Lindahl. And he was a serial killer and rapist who committed his crimes in the late 70s, early 80s. The sad part is that they knew that he was a rapist and probably knew that he was a serial rapist at the time. But they've only recently figured out that he was a murderer. And even bigger, he was never convicted of any of that. Crazy. Never. Um, on March 6, 1979, Bruce Lindahl lured a 20-year-old girl named Annette Lazar into his Aurora home, or into a Aurora home. He told her that he was going to sell her some cheap marijuana. That's what he used to lure her in. When he got her there, he pulled a gun, and he raped her. This girl figured out she was in big trouble. She figured out this guy probably wasn't going to let her go, and she was smart enough to begin complimenting him and telling him how much she enjoyed the the event, and she was able to convince him that she wanted to continue the relationship. She was able to convince him to the point that he let her go. Uh, many of the others he did not. He let this girl go. She walked out of the house, and she went straight to the police. But she was a young almost just slightly out of her teens. She's 20 years old. She was a pothead. She had prior convictions. Excuse me. She was looked at as a drug addict. Furthermore, the house where she was raped belonged to a police officer. His name was Dave Therese, and he was a friend of Bruce Lindahl's, and I'm sure he probably figured that it wouldn't look good on his record if this woman turned up being raped after being brought to the house to buy drugs in his home. Long story short, Bruce Lindahl was never charged. He was never even Jeez. questioned. There was not really an investigation. They just told her they didn't believe her story, and she could you know, have a nice day. Again, March 6, 1979. June 23, 1980, he abducted another young lady, 25-year-old Deborah Collender, from the parking lot of a shopping center in Aurora, Illinois. He took her to his apartment where he raped her. He did release her. She notified police, and this time he was actually arrested and charged. However, once again, he paid his bail and he was released. We'll come back to Deborah in a little bit. September 1980, he was driving when he was pulled over for speeding. Well, this police. is the one that gets me. I, me too. Whew. He's pulled over by police. They discover an unconscious woman that is bleeding from a deep gash in her head. They ask him what is he doing, and he says he's taking her to the hospital. They... Asking, does he know where it's at? Because he's driving in the opposite direction of the hospital. They ended up taking her to the hospital. An examination revealed that she'd been sexually assaulted. They asked her what, who did it. She told him she didn't know. She didn't remember anything that had happened after being at a party and Bruce Lindahl giving her a drink. No charges were ever filed. He was once again let go. January 28, 1981. He was convicted of illegally tapping and recording other people's phone calls and using that information to blackmail them or extort them. 
While they were trying to detain him, he attacked a police officer. He was arrested this time. He was charged with resisting arrest, illegal possession of weapons, assault on the officer. But once again, he was released on bail, and he remained freed in the preliminary investigation. Sadly, he died before those charges were ever resolved. Four times. Four times that we have mentioned that police either had him arrested or should have been arrested. They had evidence incriminating him. They had eyewitnesses, and nothing was ever done. He was allowed to go. So what is it with serial killers and their two-sidedness? Because everything that I read about this guy was he was... He was educated. Very had a college degree. Had a de- college degree in electromechanics. mechanics. And this one, a lot of your crazy guys sorry to interrupt. A lot no, of no. crazy guys is some loner that's yeah. This guy had a social butterfly. Yeah. He was a butterfly. He was apparently by, thought to be good looking for women. He had several women, had yep. no problem attracting women, attracting, you know, lovers to his bed. That wasn't like parachuting, racking ball. Uh, most of his friends and everybody spoke very spoke highly, highly of him. <laughs> well, crazy, crazy, absolutely. I think he looks a little nutso, but I mean, you know. Well, we know what hindsight's always twenty yes, twenty, right? Absolutely. So now that we've gotten through what he's accomplished and how he's gotten away from the cops, right. let's talk about when his luck runs out, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, and when it ran out, he ran out. Uh, Literally. <laughs> again, as we, we mentioned early, he, he never, the police never stopped this guy. Yeah. He stopped himself. Literally stopped himself. On April 4, 1981, he met 18-year-old Charles Robert Huber. They went bowling. Then they went back to Lindahl's girlfriend's house to drink some more. When they got back to the apartment, Lindahl attacked him with a knife. He stabbed him a total of 28 times. But during the attack, Huber fought back. Huber resisted. And during one of the blows, he was able to deflect the blow. And Lindahl stabbed himself in his thigh. He severed his own femoral artery and bled to death. He was found dead next to the guy that he had also killed. Crazy. Now, it was then that everything began to come out. Only then. Only when he was had killed Already himself. Already dead. Had killed this other guy that things begin to come out about his past. In 1993, the criminal case of 16-year-old Pamela Maurer, who was killed in January of 76, was reopened. Maurer was a junior at the Downers Grove South High School who had gone to a friend's house. Later that evening, she decided to walk to a local McDonald's to buy soda. She never returned. She was found dead six miles away from her house, lying face down, fully clothed. She had been strangled and was raped before death. And the criminal's biological traces, the semen, were found. Um, DNA wasn't in 1993 what it is today, but it was preserved. When the case was reopened, I'm sorry, that happened in 76. The case was reopened in 93. uh, And it wasn't until January of 2020 that DNA conclusively tied the evidence to Lindahl. Jeez. When he was discovered dead, when he had stabbed Chuck Huber and killed himself as well, police went and inspected his apartment, and they found several photographs of young girls. One was that of 16-year-old Deborah McCall. Deborah was last seen in Downers Grove, Illinois, in November of 79. She had left the Downers Grove North High School that day, and she was never heard from again. Investigators now believe, due to DNA evidence, that he was the primary suspect in her murder as well. Remember when I mentioned that he was arrested for kidnapping and raping Deborah Collender? Yeah. She was the one that uh, actually went to the police and reported it, and they listened, and they filed charges. He was released on bail. A trial date was set. Well, before trial day came, on October 7th, She went to work, she left work, and she was not seen again. And after a few months, the trial was postponed and eventually canceled because they had no witness. Wonder why. Yeah, exactly. Wonder why. It wasn't until a year after that he was dead that that her decomposing body was found. And soon after that, some guy contacted the Aurora police claiming that Lindell had offered him a monetary reward in exchange for killing her. What? To prevent her from testifying at trial. Now, once again, why would a mass murder suddenly go hire someone? Right. Who knows? Uh, 
who knows if it happened. Anyway, at this point, police do believe that he is their primary suspect in her murder as well. He is now the primary suspect with evidence in 12 murders and nine rapes. There is also dozens more murders that he is suspected of. Uh, Now, he was only 28 when he died. I think so. Can you imagine? Because they kind of say that serial killers start to taper off around 55, 60, just because of age. Get a long way to go. Maladies. Can you imagine? Because they were saying that there's up to like 70 possible things that they could connect him with, you know, if they had had the evidence or whatever. Can you imagine? He could have very easily, had he been able to control himself, been the world, you know, the United States' worst serial killer Possibly. by the time he was of age, if you will. Possibly. Just and, insane. Yeah. No. But also keep in mind that it was 1979 when Annette Lazar went to the police and said, This guy raped me. <sighs> could have ended all of it, right? Could then. Have, yeah, could have been stopped. Should have been. Could Jeez. have been, should have been stopped. At that point. And how do you get, like, I got some criminal defense friends who are attorneys. I'm going to have to call him and ask, how do you get a bail bond set for a vicious rape charge? (laughs) I just don't see how that even works. In today's world. In today's world. would not. Gosh. Keep in mind, you know, this was 79. That's, what, 44 years ago? I guess. So a lot of things change, but... uh, once again, it reminds me of last week's episode. Remember when we were talking about the Fall River cult and Robin Murphy, who ended up being one of the people suspected of being the mastermind of, of those killings. But when she was 11 years old, she was being raped uh, and she went to the police and reported that when she was 12 and they refused to even take her report. Yeah. And this thought it, this is a kid that's untrustworthy, un, unreliable. I think that to their credit, police have, change now almost to the exact opposite. Probably. You know what Hopefully. I'm saying? Hopefully. Yeah. You need to take the <laughs> Right. Absolutely. You, you can find that this guy's innocent and let him go. Right. You, you can't prevent some of these things that we're looking at here. Right. Know? In this case, the, the one woman, Annette Lazar, uh, not Lynette, the, uh, what was her name? The one that testified and then Deborah Collender. Yeah. Yeah. She went and reported it and he killed her. So yeah, you you can't come back from that, right? But uh, so yeah. this is we we've covered a, a few serial killers now and some cults. So I figured it would be a good chance, Jerry, for us to talk about at least three or four things to prevent your you from dying by a serial killer Absolutely. or a cult. Um, number one is are you are you wrapped yeah, up? Go okay. ahead. Go for number it. one. If you are a person who does not want to die from a serial killer, murderer, bad dude, take your pick. Always be aware of your surroundings. Pay attention to where the exits are located. Uh, Always know where the nearest populated environment is close to you. If you feel threatened, find yourself in a crowd, basically. There's, There's safety in numbers. Uh, know if you can where the nearest fire or police station is and don't make the mistake that just because you're in a familiar area that it's a safe area good point you know we don't always want to pretend that bad things happen where we live but bad things happen where we live (laughs) you know what i'm saying happen everywhere yeah i mean everywhere so if you are traveling especially at night or in an area you're not familiar with. Always use a buddy system. Go in twos. You know, you are going to be less targeted if there's multiple of you than if you're alone. And if you can't, if that's impossible. Yeah. Let somebody know where you're at, where you're going, where you're headed, when you should be back. Send them a text. Hey, I had to detour my, you know, this place broke. I had to come around this way. Oh, I'm not going to make it tonight. I'm going to have to stop at a hotel. This is the hotel I'm staying at. Just let somebody know. Yep. Uh, number three, let's act with purpose. What does that mean? If you're walking down a street in a place you're not familiar with, keep your head up and walk like you know where you're going. Then you can duck into a gas station or a restaurant and find your bearings. 
but on the street where you're accessible, where people can scoop you up. Act like you know where you're going. Act like you've been there before. It's a deterrent. Um, if you do have to park somewhere, park near a lamppost where there's a light. Uh, most people, what's the Johnny Cash song? Uh, God's going to cut you down. What's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Most people don't like to do crimes in the daylight. You know, they want to do it in the dark. And probably number four, as soon as you get in your car, lock your doors. And this is my my worst thing. I don't ever lock the doors on my car. I, and probably if you go out to my car right now, my doors are locked. <laughs> but a lot of the newer cars didn't do it automatically. automatically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't my car? Yeah. I think you have to actually put it into gear. It doesn't when you start, but when you put it into gear, it's automatically yeah. locked. If you're going to get in your car and adjust the radio, adjust it after you've moved, after you're gone. While you're able to go, when the car is in gear, uh, especially when you're in an area you don't know where you're at. Uh, one more real quick, lock your doors and windows at home. Uh, most burglaries start in assaults that were just meant to be a burglary happen because nobody knows your home. And they come in, they're stealing your stuff. And, oh, there you are getting up to go to the bathroom and see a strange person. So they, they have to cover their tracks. Um, lock your doors and your windows. <laughs> Get a dog. <laughs> I Very mean, good you, deterrent. You know what I'm saying? Um, Very good deterrent. And you know what? I really believe this part. What's that? I think that we as humans have a great sixth sense. When you come up to somebody or somebody comes up to you and you get a bad feeling about that person, trust your gut. Your friend who was out in the woods. Yes. Idaho. Somewhere in the Idaho. Idaho. Just if you get if you get a bad vibe from the spot you're at, the place, the club you went to, the the party you're at, if you have a bad, eerie vibe, get out of there. I agree. Amen. And just go. Go, 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 go. Totally agree. So one thing I would like to add. Sure. This weekend, last week, we, we talked about obviously very bad. Police work. I don't want it to come across that that we're police haters that we don't oh, no, no, no. admire these guys. I firmly believe that the vast majority of police are very good at their job. They go into it for the right reason. They do an outstanding job and they keep us safe. Unfortunately, there's a few bad apples. But here's kind of what we're saying. If you think about the worst mistake you ever made in your whole life, what was the result? I'm betting that no matter what job you have, I'm betting that great chance no one was raped and no one was murdered. Right, right. Cops have great power. No one's killed because I made a mistake. But man, when they get it wrong, there's a potential for huge, enormous damage yeah. to be done as well. So, you know, there's there's a handful of jobs and professions that we really don't tolerate mistakes. Surgeons. Um, air traffic controllers. Yeah. Anesthesiologists. We've often Police. said on this show... By far, the hardest oh, job yeah. on the planet is being a police officer. And we a good demand that they be perfect. The yep. only problem is what? We're humans. It's humans that are doing it, and humans yep. aren't perfect. So, no, they're not perfect, and it's easy for us to set back. As you said earlier, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. It's easy to set back and say, you know, these guys should have stopped. It's not an easy job they've got. It's nope. a hell of a hard job. No, nope, it is. And just like we just said, we got to trust our gut. A lot of times, that's what they are. They become. They train themselves to do when they when they encounter a situation. They have to trust their gut. And gut's not always one hundred percent accurate. Right. It's never one hundred percent accurate. Right. It'll be accurate sometimes. Right. So anyway, Jerry, yes. uh, Bruce Lindahl and more serial killers. More coverage. Absolutely. Anytime. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Anytime. If nothing else, it hopefully, will prevent the reoccurrence or of anything similar. If you are listening to this show, hopefully you have understood what to look for and you at least prevent yourself from being a victim. Yeah. Uh, what about Bigfoot and, and the Mount St. Helens? I'm torn. Uh, it, it's, you know, it happened 45 years ago. What are we going to get from If it would prove that the government is lying and covering up 45 years later, absolutely 100%. Uh, I, I can see reasons why the government might lie about this initially, not five years later, much less no. 45. Right. So if, if they're still lying at this point, the truth needs to come out. We need to know. So from that perspective, I'd have to see more coverage. 
Yeah. And, and in this case, I, I would say more coverage in case Bigfoot is real. Sure. Because that would demand protection. That would demand uh, safe space, if you will. You I don't use solve the word, problem by denying that there is a problem. Right, right. All you're doing is making more people put themselves in dangerous situations yep. by trying to go up and <laughs> have a war or a battle in eight camps. Or just going into the, their habitat. Right. Right. I yeah. would I would not want to, based on my personal experience, and we'll cover that in a future show, I would never want to be close enough that I could really make one of those things bad. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Have sure. you ever been out in the woods and had uh, any refeeling such as Steph had? Yes. Have you? Yes. I, I never have. In fact, uh, I would like, Jerry, uh, give our, our email address real quick. Sure, it's newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. October's coming. We really want to get your ghost stories, and we Absolutely. want to get them to read them on air. So if you send them to us, just know that we're going to go through them. We're going to read the best ones on air. Um, and eerie feelings, being lost in the forest, being, having those feelings you come home and there's something amiss. Tell us about it. We want to hear. We want to share your experiences on air uh, we want to go through October and make this the best October yet. I really do believe, to add one thing to what sure. we just said in my question, I think so much of this is due to personal experience. You had an experience early on when you encountered something those that have been with us for a while heard your yeah. story. They heard you tell about it. I've never had an experience like that. Uh, my daughter, if you were to take my 30-year-old daughter out into the woods at night, she would be petrified. <laughs> She's never been there. She's right. never been in the woods at dark. I was raised on a farm. We went hunting quite often. It was often past dusk when we got home. Uh, my brother had coon hounds. You only coon hunt in the middle of the night. Yeah, you're in the we woods We were used the to being in the woods. Yeah. Uh, it was, never scared me. I almost always had a dog with me. It would, would have been a little different story if I was by myself, but I think so much of it is what you're used to. Yeah. If you've never been in the woods at night, you're going to be petrified. <laughs> if you've never been in the woods at night and heard a fox howl heard or something, scream. Something you don't know what it is exactly. Listen, listen, I'm just telling you, if you've never heard a fox scream, Google that. Forget foxes, coyotes. Well, coyotes, you know coyotes sound like they sound like a young child well, howling. Well, to me, foxes sound like a woman in distress. Okay. They sound kind like they the are order. screaming. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So Google both of those. Yeah, Check absolutely. them out uh, because those are some really scary, yeah. <laughs> crazy stuff that you can hear out in the woods. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so thumbs up to both of these, newsworthy, and that is uh, awesome. Man, that episode is really interesting. And if you'll stick around for us for just a few commercials, we have another great story to tell you. Hi, this is Ed Locke with USA Mortgage. When it comes to buying a home, the process can be overwhelming and confusing. With so many options, it can be hard to know where to start. That's why it's important to work with a certified mortgage loan originator. I have the knowledge and expertise to guide you through the process and find the best mortgage option for you. I will work with you every step of the way to ensure that you are getting the best deal possible. So if you're looking to purchase or refinance, please reach out to me at 502-680-0953. So don't take on the stress of buying a home alone. Work with me and I will make your dream a reality. Trust the professionals and make your home buying experience a positive one. MLS ID 448908, DAS Acquisition Company, LLC, doing business as USA Mortgage, MLS ID 227262. This is not a commitment to lend. Additional terms and conditions apply. USA Mortgage is equal housing opportunity. If you want us to review or rate your product on air, if you have suggestions for new episodes, awesome ghost stories, or anything else, please reach out to us. Our email address is newsworthy with Stephen Jerry at gmail.com. Our text number is area code 540-709-1318. And now, back to the story. In the winter of 1993, while bulldozing salt from the Sherabad mine in Iran, miners came across a body with long hair, a beard, and some artifacts. These included the remains of a body, or a mummy, a lower leg inside a leather boot, 
three iron knives, a woolen half trouser, a silver needle, a sling, parts of some leather rope, a grindstone, a walnut, some pottery shards, some patterned textile fragments, and a few more broken bones. The body had been buried in the middle of a tunnel or a cave approximately 45 meters in length. In 2004, another mummy was discovered only 50 feet away, followed by yet another one in 2005 of a teenage boy later that year. The oldest of these salt men, how do you think, how old do you think these salt men were, Jerry? 1,200 years old. (laughs) Well, the oldest of the salt men, truly ancient, has been carbon dated all the way back to 9,550 BCE, so 11,000 years old. These salt men are, in fact, ancient corpses, and they were killed or crushed in the cave and mummified by the extreme conditions. Hair, flesh, bone, all preserved by the dry salinity of the cave. Even the internal organs and the stomach and colon were found intact. Scientists could even tell you what they had for dinner the night before they died. Crazy, right? That it is. Very. Wow. Interesting. And Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light.